The Mina Kime Show featuring Lenny is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook. You bet you get with Caesar Rewards. Must be 21 or older. Welcome back to the Mina Kime Show featuring Lenny, the only NFL podcast where one of the hosts thinks Kenny Pickett sounds like something he'd like to dig under. That's Lenny. I'm Mina Kimes. I am joined on this fine May afternoon by the one, the only. It's been a minute. Can't remember the last time, but it's been a minute. You came on during the regular season, I, right? I think Steven so. Ruiz? I think I did. Okay. I've gotten married okay. since since the last time I've gone. A lot has changed. I've seen you though, since because you, you I, I found out you were married at the Super Bowl. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, it is funny because you're coming on today to talk quarterbacks, to rank quarterbacks. I've been doing this. I think this is the fifth year now. I've used used had different people on. Um. You do quarterback rankings to the ringer. You do a great job with them. Uh, I feel like you, your rankings are always very provocative. They're original. And I also feel like over time, as your your rankings have gotten more provocative, but you've gotten less provocative on the internet, which is um, a ratio I respect and envy. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a conscious decision. There, I forget what... <laughs> tweet led to me realizing I have to dial it back but I was responding to some guy with like 15 followers and I was like you know what it's like Friday night and I should not be doing this I should be paying Mm. attention to like my friends and family instead so we all have that moment it's like the uh like when someone has like a gambling addiction and they spend their last ten dollars or they try to draw from the money or they end up in this the slammer or something and and we have that moment on the internet but anyways um, your rankings though, have not gotten less provocative. I don't know if they're that provocative. I think they aged pretty well this season. A couple of them, um, maybe more so than others. Uh, but uh, w- the, the way this works is we're gonna we're gonna rank every starting quarterback. Although it's a little bit so. Just to set some guidelines, I probably should have sent you these before. I'm assuming Sam Howell is the Commanders' quarterback. It's out. Everything they're saying suggests that he is. I don't know if it would make too much of a difference um, because the parameters are the same as they were last year. I think the last couple of years we're ranking quarterbacks with a three-year timeline. We are not considering context. So, and this is what you try to do for your rankings as I understand them, which is really hard because quarterbacking is the most context bound position, maybe in professional sports, actually it's not just in football. It's so hard to evaluate these guys separate from their circumstances, separate from their contract, separate from coaching, all of that. But that's what we're going to try to do. We're imagining you are starting an NFL team from scratch, perhaps, or you have an existing team and you are taking these quarterbacks and you are plucking them onto your roster. So a quarterback like Brock Purdy is a great example of where this matters a lot because if he's, and and he's the one, by the way, I'm assuming is the Niners starter, like Howell. He's probably going to have good, put up great numbers, right? But that's not what we're, we're trying to isolate these guys as best we can. So, do you understand it as I've laid it out? I think I got it. That's basically, like you said, that's what I do with my rankings. Mine are more like if you had to win a game tomorrow rather than three years, which forced me to make some adjustments. But yeah, yeah. I, I would say there's a lot of overlap with the exercises. It's funny with the um, game tomorrow versus three years because I think in the previous years when I've done this, that has really made ranking like Brady difficult. You know what I mean? Like, because if you win a game tomorrow, obviously you draft draw Tom Brady or some of these older guys. But as 
over the last, especially this last year, looking at this list, there aren't that many quarterbacks near the end of their careers. There aren't that many older quarterbacks in the NFL right now. I think the one guy who really places this under a stress test plays for the New York Jets. Yeah. And I'm very curious to see, we're going to alternate picking them who takes him and win because he was one of the hard, most difficult ones for me because the three-year timeline too is so brutal for him in particular because right, yeah. if it was five years I'd be like no way if it was one year I'd be like absolutely three years is really tricky with Aaron Rodgers yeah and there are some younger dudes that where it's like kind of tough too like you talk about like two uh there's yeah. a concussion thing and Matthew Stafford like I, I have no idea what's yes. going on with his back his elbow he's got all sorts of things he's like an old man that's a little younger so some injuries yeah yeah, yeah. And, and injuries do factor into this. Like that is one of the things I'm considering. Um, it's not like con you can't say in a perfect world where they're healthy, you know, or Matthew Stafford is the guy we saw in the Super Bowl run. It's, but again, it's really hard to know right now. So he was another one that I that I struggled with. Um, I imagine you will not struggle much with the number one pick, though. I'm giving you the first overall pick because you are my guest. I appreciate um, that. Yeah, and unless you shock the world, I suspect I know the quarterback that you're going to take for the next three years uh, with your first overall pick, Stephen Reeves takes. I'm going to take Patrick Mahomes. Oh. Shocker, I know. What? Ever heard of him? <laughs> uh, yeah, I was I, I was assuming there was going to be a fight for who got to pick first, and I was going to do like, what, what's the, uh, no. <laughs> the the King Solomon thing where like the two moms are claiming to be the mom of the child, and like one is like, we should split it, and then King Solomon realizes like, who is the real I was going to do one I of those things. I think it's King Solomon is the one, the yeah. splitting the baby parable. Yeah. <laughs> but I was going to be the bad mom because I was going to suggest that we just split Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> and then I re-remembered re what that story was about. I, I should have paid attention when I was younger. But Patrick Mahomes. We should, we should do like 50% Mahomes. Where would you take him on this list? Or 80%? We're not going to do that. Okay, sorry. sorry. T t talk about why Patrick Mahomes is the obvious. I, I think like a year ago, this question would have been a little tougher to answer. No, like I, I think like even myself, I would have put Justin Herbert up there coming off of Josh Allen's postseason run in 2021. I would have put him up there. Uh, but last year, he separated from the pack. I thought yeah. we saw a real evolution in his game where he went from the alien quarterback that we can't really comprehend how he's doing all these things to he's still doing that stuff. But now he can play like Tom Brady and Drew Brees if he has to. He can play the, the short game. He can dink and dunk if teams are dropping back. And that really put stress on stress on defenses. This was his best year as a player, which is is crazy to think about because 2018, when defenses didn't know how to handle the Chiefs' offense or any offense like that, he put up these crazy numbers. And even at the time, you realized he probably he he was going to improve, but he probably wouldn't throw like 50 touchdowns again. And then four years later, like statistically. He was even more efficient than he was in 2018 when the league wasn't ready for him. It, it was amazing to watch this evolution, which I think started after that Bucks Super Bowl. I think that's when people started to see there are a little, yeah. there are some holes in his game. He's not perfect. Like no quarterback is perfect, but his ability to address those weaknesses in a matter of years. And these aren't like little weaknesses. Like, oh, I fixed my mechanics. These are like mentality changes. Like he changed his mentality and how he approached the game. And it was fun to watch unless you were a defensive coordinator. This is going to sound a little bit weird. I have an NBA brain right now because I'm just very enmeshed in the NBA playoffs, but watching Nikola Jokic just makes me think about Patrick Mahomes. I don't know if you feel this way at all. Um, you know, similar body types. No, um, 
Actually, they do have that similar, like, are they athletic? Right, They're right, not right. athletic quality. And then, you know, the um, the scrambling is always what kills you with Mahomes. But it, it's, a, I mean, some of it is because of the no-look passing and Mahomes and Jokic's passing is like, he's always like not just one step ahead of defenses, but often like ahead of his own teammates at times. And that makes me think of him. But also like there's just something so gratifying about watching an elite problem solver at work with the tools to do it. This is I I, and 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 to your point, like that is how it felt watching Patrick Mahomes this year. It's like watching a guy solve literally everything defenses threw at him. Um just watching how cerebral He's become as a quarterback, and then when you marry that with this rare, phys- this rare arm and set of tools, you get the best quarterback in NFL history. I like. I don't. That, that is to me not a provocative take. He's not no. at least not the most accomplished quarterback in NFL history. That's Tom Brady. But um, yeah, I don't. I mean, it's this is probably going to be the easiest number one pick that will ever happen yeah. in this podcast. And it's like it's like a take that I, I don't worry about getting any blowback about it. Yeah. Usually with quarterbacks, you could say <laughs> anything and you'll get some blowback. But I think Patrick Mahomes being the best quarterback is widely accepted at this point. Okay. No, 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 we don't need to dwell on that for too long. Uh, I have the second overall pick. Some people might have different opinions about who, who this should be. Um, I'm and fascinated. I, actually, I am fascinated to see who you pick. I have no idea. This... So this might actually raise some eyebrows. Uh, I, I just based on the end of last season, some of the things in the second half of the year. I'm still riding with Josh Allen. I, you know, I, I thought about this. I if there's, I think two other quarterbacks that are kind of probably going to go three and four. Who people, various people might take here. You might take. You can tell me after I kind of run through the Allen thing, but. The thing about Allen is he, he, to me, like we talk about quarterbacks being elevators versus guys who can operate the offense. And I think he is next to Mahomes the second. Maybe Jackson you'd throw in here, but he obviously have him behind Allen for a number of reasons. He, to me, is the biggest elevator in the NFL right now. Um, I think the stat that captures that is under pressure. He was first in QBR, unsurprisingly, uh, with a QBR of 68. And to put this in context, Joe Burrow, who I who I have very, very high, and you can find out where, uh, depending on what you do, was six. That's not a big drop-off. With a QBR of 37. Like, that's how much better Josh Allen is than the rest of the NFL at making something out of absolutely nothing. <laughs> I mean, um, now you could argue that he invites some of that pressure, some of that I think it was the situation, whatever. There's a million reasons for that. And, and you know, uh, with Burrow, is a very different style of play. But my point is, like, he is a freaking alien. And, you know, there were issues last season. Um, I think some of my pick here is a bet on the fact that I, I do think the UCL injury affected him more than maybe we've acknowledged, especially because the drop-off afterwards, on, especially in terms of short accuracy, was so obvious. And I think he played around it. I think it led to some issues with decision-making that cropped at the end of the year. Some of that is Josh Allen, though. Some of it you just have to live with. But I, I would still take him 
man. I still think he is, if I'm building this from scratch, he's my guy. I had someone else in number two who I'm going to take with number three, but I agree with I know you. Who it is, I, yeah, you, everyone knows who it is. Uh, but I agree with you. The elbow thing was a, a, a big issue that I don't think got a lot of attention. And you could see it in the stats and you could see it in the play calling tendencies. Once that elbow injury happened, I think it was week eight against the Jets, their quick game usage dropped from like top 10 to bottom of the league. And I think that was a reflection of his short accuracy, which really fell off a cliff. Like last year, he kind of underwent the same transformation that we talked about with Patrick Mahomes, where he was more yeah. willing to throw it short, especially in the first half of the year. But like, if you look at like running back targets and, and targets underneath, they were way up from 2021. Then over the second half, they went away. And then you could see his like accuracy rate on those plays or his off target throw rate was like 24%, which is insane. Like he was missing one out of every four short throws and the Buffalo to their credit, like Ken Dorsey, the offense coordinator, they went back to kind of like that boomer bust style of play that Buffalo had been known for before. Away, yeah. yeah. And I mean, that's all they could do. In the NFL, you don't always get to do what you want to do. You have to do what you have. To, or you have Sometimes you have to do what you need to do. And that's what the Bills did over the second half. But in that first half, the, the Allen we saw was one of the best quarterbacks that I've ever seen. Like, you remember that that opening night game against the Rams when he was like, they were calling quick games, getting rid of the ball quickly, Stephon Diggs, Gabriel Davis. He was just picking apart that Rams defense, which is really like – the kind of defense we've seen we see more often now like the quarters defense we're gonna back off you're gonna have to throw underneath you're gonna have to put together 10 and 12 play drives to beat us the thinking going into that game was like josh allen i mean he he finished last year on a high but it was still like typical josh allen just like a juggernaut running through defenses but this time we saw something different we saw a different style of josh allen and we saw it for over like the first month and a half before that elbow injury which leads me to believe that when, once he gets healthy, we're going to see a return to that Josh Allen. And I, I could see him being the second best quarterback next year. I really think he reverted mentally a little bit right. to early career Josh Allen at the end because of the frustrations with some of the accuracy. Um, the, 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 I would say that the one reason why I have Allen before the other two guys who I suspect are going to go three and four is his rushing ability, um, which – is somehow, I mean, it's, I don't, it's not underrated. We talk about it a lot, but I just want to put this in context for you. Um, last year of any quarterbacks with 100 attempts, so basically all the quarterbacks who ran a lot, 70% of his carries converted on third down. It's the most of any quarterback. 44% went for first downs, which is the most of anyone other than Daniel Jones, who I maintain defense just didn't understand right, was going right. to run half the time. But it was more than Jalen Hurts. It was more than Lamar Jackson. He had more attempts than Lamar Jackson because of the injury. So it's not like a sample size thing. On When he carried the football, he averaged 0.54 EPA per play, which again is the most of any quarterback with over 100 attempts. That's insane. Yeah. That's insane. Like, I mean, that, that you, you have to, uh, it's such a huge part of why he is so effective as a quarterback. He's Cam Newton. He's like this, this age is Cam Newton. If only he could throw a little bit better. I think he's a little bit better as a quarterback, but that like creativity where you can put, you can design the entire run game around him. He has that. And there are only a handful of quarterbacks. There are co plenty of quarterbacks who can run like, uh, Trevor Lawrence, for instance, he can run. He's a fast guy. He's a good athlete, but you're not going to design the run game around him. There's only a couple of guys. Josh Allen is one of them. And you saw it last year when Buffalo's offensive line was just terrible over the second half. 
but they could run yeah. the football. They figured out a way to run the football. I think they were like 12th in offensive DVOA in, in running the ball. And it's because Josh Allen, they got back into the gun. They started doing quarterback run game stuff. Even if it wasn't a true like read option where he could actually pull the ball, it's still, there's still gravity there. You're still making it harder for the, the run defense. And as mm-hmm. long as he's back there, they're going to have a productive run game. And not, it might not be like a great run game. No, but yeah. It'll, it'll be good enough. It raises the floor of everything right, they yeah. can do out of empty, everything in short yardage. It's just, and even if the, you know, they're, he, he's saying, I don't want to get hurt. I want to run less. I hear that, but it's always there as, as this threat, as this breaking case of emergency. We also have to acknowledge that he is dating an A-list. Uh, is, is Kaylee Heinsteinfeld A-list? I would say so. Movie, movie star? Yeah. I mean, I, I would say, I mean, for an, I'm trying to think of an NFL quarterback who's dated a, a bigger celebrity in recent what years. What about Aaron Rodgers? Aaron Rodgers is. Shailene Woodley is not as big as Haley no, Steinfeld. No, no. Haley Steinfeld, yeah. Haley Steinfeld's like in Marvel movies, right? Or is she not? I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know anything. I know she was in like she... True Grit and like Pitch Perfect 2 or something. That's, that's yes. the extent of my, yes. my knowledge. True Grit was great. All right, you go at three. I think I know you're going to take. I'm taking Justin Herbert. And I probably, yeah, I would have taken him second. I would have taken him before Josh Allen. And my reasoning is that I think in terms of pure quarterbacking, like you, you just ignore everything else, pure quarterbacking, pocket passing, he's the best in the league at it. I think he is the most efficient at it. I think he's the most efficient processor in the NFL. I think he's the best at handling pressure, like not in the ways that create highlights, but responding to like his right tackle getting, getting beaten. And he like slides subtly to the left, gets a throw off downfield, and you don't really even notice that his offensive line did poorly. Justin Herbert is a master at stuff like that, at at high at uh, mitigating the negative plays. He's very good at avoiding negative plays to the point where I don't think he gets a lot of credit for it. When you hear people talk about Justin Herbert, the first thing that stands out is the is the gun, the arm, the the crazy arm that allows him to throw the ball eighty yards downfield. I think that's like the fifth best thing about his game. Honestly, I think the pocket presence, like I said, is is better. The accuracy is more impressive. I think his ability to get through progressions in a, in a hurry, and I think his ability to eliminate receivers from his progression, like he can tell in an instant if that second receiver in the progression is going to be going to be covered, and he moves on to number three. I think that is his greatest strength as a player. And then you throw on the throw on top of that the alien arm, and I I struggled to find a weakness in his game that isn't like, oh, he could stand to like live a little more. He could stand to be a, more of a playmaker and go outside of structure. That's really the only criticism. And I thought at the end of last year, he started to make make those strides. I think he started to realize that the Chargers supporting cast wasn't going to do him any favors and that he was going to have to create more. And we saw it down the stretch. And that's why I think they got to the playoffs. Since he was drafted, he has the third lowest sack rate in the NFL when he's pressured. Mahomes is one. So, you know, I actually can't remember who's number two. I think it may be Allen or something. But um, it's, it's a dual threat quarterback. But my point is this. It, it's your point, which is I think his ability to mitigate pressure is his, his finest trait as a quarterback. Um, I was just having lunch with Michael Jr. And he we were talking about the Dolphins Chargers night. I think it was Sunday night or Monday night. night. It was like yeah. the, 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 the game. and Mike was there and he, we were talking about the Chargers and what they did enough on. And he was, you know, talking about how like every, every play, it was like a jailbreak 
Like the Dolphins de- defenders were just literally in his lap on every play, and he was ready for it. He was he he and um, you know it was he made some incredible throws in spite of it, some incredible plays with his legs. But I don't think it's appreciated necessarily how the level of difficulty he's played under. He played under last year, setting aside the injury. Um, yeah. I, I mean, and despite that, when he made plays on the move, scrambles, design rollouts, whatever, he had the be- posted the best numbers of any quarterback in the NFL. One would argue they should have done that more often. I think this will be a big year for perception right, of yeah. Herbert. If, um, you know, if <laughs> the Chargers stay healthy, <laughs> uh, <laughs> if that offensive line um, stays healthy in particular, if Kellen Moore can um, – I think address some of the failings of the Mike Lombardi regime in Los Angeles. Uh, you know, I, he's really, I, I, it's funny. He's like the most polarizing quarterback on the internet, which is hilarious oh, yeah. because obviously he isn't on the internet and doesn't do anything or say anything really. But um, I posted a tweet. It was so when I was doing the AFC X factors podcast, I was trying to pick someone. I ended up with Joey Bosa, not someone on offense, but I posted his splits with and without Mike Williams, Herbert's, and it's a massive drop off. And I meant it to be like, look how shitty these Chargers receivers are. Oh, yeah. But of course, uh, people were like, oh, he is carried by Mike Williams. And, and I'm like, that's literally not at all the point I was trying to make. I was trying to address the fact that and you, it, it, without Williams and Allen also missed a lot of games. You know, he, he was throwing like DeAndre Carter and Michael Bandy, right? Michael like, Bandy, so. Man. Michael Bandy, who had, ended up having like a very significant role, I think, in the the Jacks. Um, yeah. the Jacks I was going to say the Jacks come back because he was on the field. Um, but anyways, uh, so I think that he, my theory on why he's so polarizing is that there aren't a lot of Chargers fans, so there's no one defending him. That's true. Just me. <laughs> and then, and then he also was in a draft with two quarterbacks with very passionate fan bases, so that always comes into it. But um, and yeah, anyways. Whatever. It, it makes sense. I'm next. I'll go Burrow here. Um, I, one thing I really like about Joe Burrow, uh, and I don't think this is was as dramatic as what we were talking about with Patrick Mahomes, but I also feel like he's gotten a lot better as a quarterback. Um, a quarterback who's been you know good since he came into the NFL, obviously, and has an incredible success early on. But uh, during the Super Bowl run, I was when I was trying to think ahead to next year and obviously they improved their offensive line, but I was quietly always like really bothered by the number of sacks he took. I guess not quietly, but whatever. Um, and you know, in 2021, I put, so I, you know, we talked about how Justin Herbert had the third best pressure to sack rate in the NFL. Another quarterback who I think we're, is going to go pretty soon also at a really low rate, which is why I liked him. But uh, that year, uh, 2021, uh, Joe Burrow was 28th. 8.6%. And it was always, we were always kind of trying to parse out how much is this is the horrible Bengals offensive line? How much of it is Joe Burrow? And um, he, net the net last year, he was basically average. He finished average. But I, I do think a lot of that improvement was actually Burrow himself, um, getting the ball out quickly, more comfort working against certain kind of coverages. I talked about this last year, how basically halfway during the season, through the season, they solved split safety coverages in Cincinnati. I guess my point is um, 
you know, not even on a season to season basis, but when he looks at different parts of the season, he, he always seems to get better at things. Um, and then on top of that, you know, I think just accuracy, underrated playmaking. I do like a lot of his pocket movement abilities. Scrambling is really efficient with it. Um, so yeah, Joe bro. Yeah. I, I agree with you that he, I think he was the big driving force behind the Bengals. I don't want, I don't want to say improvement because I don't even know if the numbers were necessarily better from 2021 to 2022, but they were more consistent. They weren't as reliant on the big play. And, and Burrow was talking about that during the offseason. He was saying, like, teams are going to play too high against us here. We're not going to be able to yeah. rely on the, on the big play. And as they kind of went through those growing pains during the season, I wrote an article about this. It was, like, around midseason when it, when it seemed like they really figured out their issues. And Burrow, like, in every postgame press conference, every press conference he did was, like, talking about their – I don't, I don't, I don't know. Journey's the right word, but as they were trying to solve this issue, he was kind of talking beat reporters through it and what he was thinking and like what teams were throwing at them and how they would, how would they would counter those defenses, and that made me think like this is all Burroughs like making. This is like the new age Peyton Manning, and that was the one thing I was skeptical about him coming into the league. I, I mean, I still had him as my QB one. I still thought he was the best player in the class. I wasn't so sure he was like this blue chip generational prospect because I did think he relied on his mind a lot more than the other quarterbacks we've seen come out of college recently but I was wrong like this guy knows ball to like the degree where it doesn't matter how weak his arm is and his arm is it isn't weak it's it's like average it doesn't matter if he can't run like Lamar Jackson or throw like Josh Allen he just knows so much he just has such a good feel for the game that he's always going to have an answer there's never going to be an issue where teams figure out the Bengals offense. At least I don't mm. think so. Like, like we've seen with other quarterbacks who are more reliant on their supporting cast, like Jared Goff in LA, for instance, once the blueprint got it out on the, the Rams back then, it was kind of hard for them to adjust. Burrow is just making these adjustments quickly. He made the adjustment that we talked about Allen and Mahomes making where he was more conservative and more willing to take a check down. He made that adjustment in like a month. Yeah. It didn't take two years like it took for Mahomes and Allen. So I had him one spot lower on my list because I do think a part of his magic is – I don't want to say it's dependent on having Jamar Chase and T. Higgins because I think it's that that relationship is beneficial for both sides. Like I think Higgins and Chase get a lot more from Burrow than maybe Burrow gets from those two just yeah. because of the style of quarterback. He's, he's going to put that ball in a spot where you're going to win the 50-50 ball most of the time. But I do wonder I do wonder the limits of Burroughs playmaking if he doesn't have those two stars that just put so many constraints on the defense. I do wonder what happens. I've thought about this too, because you know, as I was when I was wondering if the Bengals would keep them, and it does seem like they're gonna keep them both at the expense of other parts of the team, right? Which will be interesting from a roster construction, just what what they're gonna do have to do to keep both of them. It's gonna be a very unusual build. Um but I think my, my feeling is like without them, I think he would still run like an incredibly efficient offense yeah. and still be good. Would it be great? I don't know, because a lot of what they do is contingent on having those two guys, you know, and the inability and, and, and let me see, rephrase that. What they do, how explosive yes, they are yes. is, is how I would put it. So it would still be good, but would they, you know, get like, like, Jamar Chase turning a seven yard slant into like a 30 yard gain, like, you know, right, things like right. that would be, you know, but 
it's 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 kind of hard to know. But I think that's uh, he is. I think that's the gap yeah. he filled in last year, where yeah. they weren't relied on those explosive, and that was him. That was all him. I, I don't want to steer any credit away from for what they did last yeah. year. I think twenty twenty one was more about those those two guys on the outside, but I thought last year was about him. Okay, so who do you have? It's thirty minutes. We've gotten four, so we're gonna have to pick up oh, face. Man. Who do you have for number five? I have Trevor Lawrence. I have Trevor Lawrence ahead of Joe mm, Burrow. I think mm, I, I think he can do all of the stuff that we talk about these great quarterbacks doing in terms of processing. I think you saw the improvement from year one to year two, the improvement you want to see, and then you throw in the physical attributes, and then you throw in the Justin Herberts ability to mitigate pressure thing which he has had since he he was the guy i was alluding to yeah in 2021 who could do it he does everything you want in a modern quarterback he can move he has the arm he can mitigate pressure he knows he knows how to play football he has good feel for the game i I, the sky's the limit with him and i love the coaching match i love him getting doug peterson i just think that's a, a match made in heaven we like saw him at clemson in this like rudimentary offense i didn't ask him to do much he was running like the same concepts over and over again. And now he's got like a pure West coast coach who's really teaching him how to like get through progressions faster. And I think that was the one concern people had with him coming out of Clemson and two years in, I don't think it's a problem at all. I don't think it's an issue at all. And we're seeing his natural talents kind of take over. Yeah. Yeah. I I had him below Bordeaux for just two reasons. Decision-making sometimes there's been, but it's a very young player. And then uh, sample size. Yeah, I just think Joe Burrow's uh, done it longer in the NFL, right? right. Uh, with with Trevor, you're really looking at the second half of last year as being this, and but and in that second half, by any metric, he right, was yeah. a top five three quarterback, you know. And so, um, I, there's just a teeny bit more extrapolation for me, but he was fantastic, and he has the tools and. Um, I think it, I, for me, it'll just be like consistency. I mean, I have him in the top, you know, six or seven. I'm ranking where we are right now, but, um, yeah, it's, he has everything it takes. So I think it's, um, it's, it's a pretty good time to be a Jags fan. Um, okay. So I think the next two, there's two quarterbacks I have next and I'm, this is one where injuries is affecting my decision. I have Jalen Hurts over Lamar Jackson okay. purely because of injuries. I have Lamar Jackson if, ahead of Jalen Hurts, but I, I think those two, it makes sense to have those two right next to each other because they're similar type players and they provide similar benefits to their offenses. If this was win one game, I would go Jackson. Um, although, you know, Hurts, I'm sure Eagles fans are screaming, well, you know, Jackson's playoff record versus Hurts and whatever. I, but, you know, the, the, yeah. Uh, swap teams, guys, uh, <laughs> and don't get mad. I have Jalen Hurts here. Don't get mad at me. I that's very high. That's really high. You can get mad at me. Um, don't worry. They're gonna get mad at okay. me. Okay. Well, um, but you've really come around on Hurts, so maybe this is a good point to talk about that because I think I don't maybe come around as strong, but I don't remember where you had him coming into the season in your rankings. But I do remember it was a bit lower. I was lower, honestly. After the if you can if you played my I don't remember where I had him I probably should have gone back and reviewed my rankings last year but you know coming off of that Bucks quarter that but that lost to the Bucks in the playoffs I was apprehensive I was like damn Todd will solve this dude like you know I all of his limitations were on display and I just felt he grew so much as a quarterback culminating of course in the Super Bowl where he was absolutely fantastic 
and not fantastic in a fake way, not fantastic in that this dude is being supported by his offense. You know, he he's making, he is dropping whole shots. Like he is making plays out of nothing. He is accurate. He was decisive, decision-making, all of it. Um, he's one where context does matter a lot, but that game did a lot for me in my perception of him. And he's a guy who's gotten better not just in the NFL, but literally every year he's played the position who has an incredible set of tools. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty comfortable taking him here. So I think, I, I think last year I actually started off higher on him than most people. Oh, okay. Just because I saw right. him as a, as the focal point of the offense, like he was going to give them a run game and he was a good enough deep ball thrower where he could throw like the vertical routes well enough where that was going to put stress on the defense. So I wasn't so surprised by his success I didn't know it was going to be to that degree. And I think that's where I kind of fell behind the other people that are high on him, where I didn't make uh, that big of an adjustment last year. I don't think he surprised me that much, honestly, until that Super Bowl. And I'm with you. That Super Bowl was an eye-opening experience for me. But I also look at that Super Bowl kind of like how I looked at the Georgia game from C.J. Stroud, if you know what I mean. Mm. Like, it was one game, and there were a yeah. There were a lot. He had other games during the regular season where not like that though. I, not like that. Not, not like, like that. that. And uh, there were some throws where, if they were even like a foot different, we are questioning his decision making. Like I'm thinking about the the touchdown to AJ Brown where he throws it in double coverage and, and AJ Brown dunks on two guys and scores. If that's picked off, we're not talking about Jalen Hurts as like so him having some great Super Bowl. Then he has two turnovers. And then there was one on the side, that one throw on the sideline, which was amazing. Like the perfect the one that I, the Zach Ertz, or not Zach Ertz, um, Goddard. Yeah. yeah. But even if that, that wasn't yeah. the best decision, I think he was fooled by the pre-snap rotation and he kind of threw into, into coverage and it just happened to be like the best throw he's ever made in his life. And it worked out. So that's why that's the one reason I would pump the brakes on like, you know, buying too much into that game. But like, you, have, you just have to look at where football is going to know why he's going to be so valuable. He is a one-man running game. I know the Eagles' offensive line was very good, but I thought Jalen Hurts in that Super Bowl, I thought that was what was most impressive from him. The Chiefs were selling out to stop the run game, and you could see it in the, the Eagles' stats. Like The running backs averaged, I think, three yards per carry, and it wasn't yeah. until Steichen started using Hurts on like quarterback keepers. It wasn't even read options, just like, they got into empty. They motioned the running back out of the backfield and ran. And that's when they got the run game start. Uh, the run game started to get going. And then the vertical throwing. I think that combination mitigates any other issues you might have with this game. Like, yeah, he leaves the pocket a little too early. Yeah, he's not the best set scene over the middle of the field, but he does all these other things that doesn't matter. It makes offense easier. That's a good way to put it. It just makes offense easier. It doesn't. He doesn't have to be as good as he was in the Super Bowl to be a, in terms of efficiency, a top ten quarterback. Like always, no. he doesn't have to have the offensive line and the weapons. They help. That that's what takes this offense from being very good to great, as with most quarterbacks, is is, is the surroundings. But because of how unique he is as a player in terms of his rushing ability and then how he's evolved as a passer, he did like. It's it, it's kind of like the same thing with Lamar, where we would say this, and and it would be perceived as like when I when, when I would say, well, Lamar doesn't have to be a great passer; he just has to right. be good for an for an offense to be efficient. And that type of quarterback means you're top eight. 
Right, yeah. <laughs> That's just what it does for uh, coordinators. So let's get to Jackson. You have him next, I presume, at seven. Yeah. Every time I watch Lamar Jackson again, like if I've taken, if I haven't seen him in a couple of months, I like re-fall in love with his game. I think he's the most underrated player in the NFL right now. And as evidenced by this list that we're doing right now and that he's so low in it. Seven is not low. It could be for, for a player like we're him. considering injuries, it's not low. Like, yeah, that's true. That's a good point. But based on his track record, his career, and everything he's been surrounded with, what he's accomplished and the fact that he is not – he hasn't already failed is so impressive to me. He, yeah. I know, like, at the beginning when he won MVP, everyone was saying, oh, Baltimore did such a great job. They built the team around him. They supported him. This is how you have to play if you want to take advantage of Lamar Jackson. I don't think that's true. I don't think Baltimore did the best thing they could have done for him. I think the best thing they could have done for Lamar Jackson was put him in a real NFL offense with a real NFL passing game and given him real NFL weapons. Instead, they leaned into the running thing. I don't think they really ever bought into him as a quarterback, and he still managed to flourish, I would say. And when we've seen him healthy over the last two years and we've seen the offense relatively healthy, he's put up MVP-style numbers. Like, he's been in the discussion over the first couple months of the season the last two years, and then the wheels fell off. And that's when you bring in the injuries, and that's when this discussion gets a little more tough. But I do think next year we are going to finally see the side of Lamar Jackson that I think, like, the tape people, the people that, like, grind the film have seen with Lamar for the last couple of years. Yeah. I mean, it's, we're trying to divorce. He is the one where like context is so important over the last few years to your point. Um, And that con like this will be a large year, a big year for the perception, like similar to Herbert, I think. Um, and, you know, I've talked about that a lot. We don't need to get into, like, the offense and what it's going to look like and what it could look like. But we have seen Lamar Jackson at multiple points in his career be incredibly effective as a pocket passer. And he's the one where, again, where it's like, well, if he didn't face so much, like, you know, single high. Well, he does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it's right, always going to yeah. happen. <laughs> yeah, if you, if you cut off his legs, he wouldn't be as good of a quarterback, right? Um, it, it, yeah, it's just – it's just a, it, it's the same thing as, like, saying you know a quarterback has like a a strong arm or um like it's a trait and it's a trait that you know and and by the way this is a three-year timeline maybe if you wanted to expand this to 10 years it could be concerning you could say that about Allen, you know or whatever but we're doing three years here i did however ding him for the injuries just because so many of the seasons now have ended that way okay the the next quarterback i have is i think the final one where this is easy, easy and then after this go sideways (laughs) so um i assume that you were going to be agreement here i have Dak prescott at eight and it is crazy to me that people don't think anyone would think he's not a top 10 quarterback in the nfl especially after doing this list and going down my rankings and thinking through it all and i Dak prescott since he was drafted 2016 fifth in qbr um he his adjusted net yards per attempt which is a good metric if you guys don't use it pro football reference you can look it up uh it accounts for touchdowns and sacks interceptions basically uh his career anya is ninth in nfl history (laughs) now some of that is you know the whatever the where we live in he's right behind tony romo hilariously another underrated cowboys quarterback um, the big ding on him right now, of course, is that last year he had the worst interception rate 
in football. But from 2016 through 2021, the first five years of his career, amongst all quarterbacks who started at least 50 games, he had the fifth lowest interception rate in football. He was tied with Drew Brees. Drew Brees. Maybe something broke inside of his brain and this interception rate is going to continue, but I'm going to bet on the fact that for the previous five seasons, it was not a problem. So we don't have to be like the obsession with it. You know, I mean, and there's multiple reasons for that. I've talked about them. Some of it is on the Cowboys receiver. Some of it's on Dak himself, I think, and the types of throws he tries to make. But just expand your sample size and consider this dude's freaking career when he was fine. That's all I have to say. Even if you include last year, I still think he has like a historically good interception rate, even with the worst year of his career in that regard. But you watch that offense last year and you watch the interceptions. I think the common theme is that they all come in dire situations. Like it's third and long and <laughs> down by two scores in the second half. And he's just trying to make a play. Or there's like some type of miscommunication because it's like an option route where the receiver can run can alter his route based on the coverage. The Packers game, he threw two interceptions like that, where he was expecting, I think it was CeeDee Lamb to go up the middle Mm -hmm. between the two safeties, split the safeties. Instead of breaking across, he throws an interception. But, like, it's 2% of his plays from last year. And the other 98% of his plays were so freaking good, man. They were so good. And they were good in the ways that we always celebrate quarterbacks for being good. Like, they were good in the same ways that Tom Brady used to be good. Like, he gets to the line, he diagnoses the defense, he changes the protection, changes the route sometimes. Uh, he drops back. If, if if he was wrong, he'd go through his progressions. If he wasn't, he gets rid of the ball quickly on time and on target. He's like the field general, the consummate field general that we've celebrated throughout the history of this league. And for whatever reason, he doesn't get credit for any of that. I don't know why. Like, he really doesn't get credit for the things he's good at. I think part of it has to do with the fact that he's a black quarterback and historically black quarterbacks don't get described in those terms. We don't describe black quarterbacks as as field generals, as Peyton Manning types, but that's what Dak Prescott is. And I think it's going to take people getting over that. Some of those prejudices are, are actually just watching him play and appreciating what he does well to fully appreciate his game. I would draft him. I, I think he's a top 10 quarterback. I would argue if you eliminated like the, the parameters, the three years, and you just needed someone to win tomorrow, he might be two spots higher on this list for me. I mean, the reason why he's not higher, speaking of like the reverse of that stereotype, is the absence of playmaking and point. mobility, which is what the other quarterbacks said. I mean, he's, he's enough. He'll do enough. I, I would argue he, he should – there's so many games where I get frustrated because I'm like, take off, take off, take off. You know, you're gigantic and fast. Like, um, But he doesn't, and that's – for me, why he is outside of this top group where a bunch of those guys are like that. Um, Alan Jackson, you know, or whatever hurts and stuff. Um, but yeah, uh, Dak Prescott, good, good quarterback. <laughs> okay. This is now we now we're, we're out of the, the safe waters. This is where it's going to get hairy. You, uh, so that was eight. So you're nine. Right. I have no idea. I have no idea. You're gonna take Gino, no idea. Gino Nation, stand up. Greg Rosenthal, bring him on the pod. Yeah, I'm taking Gino Smith. I have I have no worries about last year being like a one year hit thing, like a one hit wonder type of thing. I, I watched those games, man. He looked like a top quarterback. He had the arm talent. He had the creativity when things broke down. He 
I think he's a smart quarterback. I think he's not afraid of the pocket. And I was surprised, and I know, I think you tweeted this out at a certain point last year that you were surprised at how creative he was, like outside of structure and how he was able to That scramble. was the number one thing that surprised me because I always knew he had a good arm. I always knew he was accurate. Decision-making was sometimes an issue. Right. Uh, but I did not think he could make, he was a playmaker. And he was able to do it within and outside of structure. Like he, there were some plays in the pocket where he's avoiding a rush and, and throwing downfield. And like, it's the type of stuff you're used to Patrick Mahomes or Justin Herbert doing. And here was Geno Smith, this 30 year old journeyman who's been on the bench for the last decade doing it every single week. Now things broke down at the end of the year. I think that was partly on Gino kind of pressing and then partly on this, the situation around him getting a little bit worse, the offensive line, offensive the two line. offensive tackles, the rookies kind of hit a wall. Uh, they couldn't get guys open. They couldn't, they couldn't protect. And in, in that 49ers game, I think it was a Thursday night game when Brock Purdy played, you kind of saw mm. Gino fighting for his life and he was doing yeah. his best to keep oh, the Seahawks. In they it. couldn't do anything in that game he had nothing and then, then in the first half of the playoff game they figured some stuff out but yeah yeah and then that's when the interceptions came that's when the mistakes came yeah. against the Chiefs same thing uh but I think when you get him in a, a a good situation and that's what we say about all these quarterbacks in this this range of the rankings you get him in yeah. a good situation he's not only going to get the most out of the supporting cast I think he he does a lot to elevate supporting cast as well he ranked first in uh, completion percentage over expected last year. He was the, the new Tannehill, <laughs> uh, the new CPOE god. Um, yeah, I think G the reason why he's not in the top eight um, one year, but I I think because he didn't get a fair shot in the NFL, and I talked about this on the Athletic Football Show this week, that really mitigates the one-year thing yeah, for me. Because yeah. um, this isn't a guy who like was – crappy for five years and suddenly came out of nowhere he did not he barely played he didn't get a chance for a really it's a very unusual career arc uh that is very few comps in nfl history um so you know i do think sometimes there are lapses in decision making that come with uh pressure but and I, I think that was the pressure was a huge part the end of last season and a lot of that was not his fault i thought the interior pass protection really caved yeah, a lot Remains a concern, but um, he he can make all the throws, man. And in a clean pocket, um, he's an assassin. So I, I I'm to I'm totally okay with Gino here. Um, that's nine. I have ten. Okay, this is where I'm taking Aaron Rodgers. Okay, I don't feel good about it because of the three year timeline. Uh, because that now you get to the point where you start uh, like psychology. <laughs> I think Aaron Rodgers is going to play at least two more years out of spite. Yeah. So I'll take my two years out of the three. Um, I am a believer that what we saw last year, a lot of it was because of injuries. Uh, I think I, we saw enough flashes of the old Aaron Rodgers to make me feel comfortable about a healthy Aaron Rodgers. I, I'm nervous about it. Um I thought he he put he made some pretty impressive throws under pressure in particular. He's not going to move the way that he used to, but the arm is still there and I think um yeah. I I this is me just saying I don't think he's done. <laughs> no, yeah. The, these next three years I, I feel like he's like doing it at people. He's not like doing it for himself, he's doing it just to do it at someone. But I, I agree with you based on last year's tape. He's still a top 10 quarterback in terms of skill and ability. 
The thumb clearly threw off his underneath accuracy. I thought that offense, like the coaching staff, didn't do a good job of replacing Devontae Adams, like schematically. He was at the heart of everything they did the year before. And they just didn't have an answer or a way to kind of replicate that same offense with different pieces. And I thought that really weighed on Rodgers, who was, who was kind of skeptical of the offense as it is. Like there was a, when before it first came to Green Bay, there was a big story about like how yeah. often he'd be able to call audibles and like all the motion they do and all that stuff. And Rodgers isn't really a big fan of all that, that pre-snap presentation. So I kind of give him a pass for last year just because things kind of went bad and he's like a temperamental type of quarterback who, who might play worse if things aren't going well around him. But like you said, a couple times per week, he would be old Aaron Rodgers. He would throw like off his back foot and be a dime down the sideline. He would make a change at the line and get rid of the ball quickly and throw sidearm around a linebacker. He still has that ability in him. I just don't think he can move as well as he used to. Yeah, and that's, that's the, the big thing. The the moving is is, is concerning for me. Um, did you have him at 10 too? Yeah, I had him right here. Okay, all right. Okay, who do you have at 11? I have Kyler. Kyler's so many of these court, so many quarterbacks in the NFL right now are situation quarterbacks, yeah. and he exists in a very rare space for me because he is potentially an L- he, like he is the the wide spectrum guy. He could be so good and he could be so bad. Yeah. So sorry, I'm I'm giving my case. No, that that's the same case I have. Like I literally had no idea where to put him. It's just the guys under him. I don't really want a part of. I don't want to be my my franchise quarterback. I guess. I I think Kyler is to the point where he's underrated. We kind of forget how talented this dude is, how good of a thrower he is. And I think like the the talk about his contract and like the the film watching clause in it. I, I feel like that's kind of created this perception that he doesn't like really know how to play the position. And I don't, I don't think that's the case when I watch, like when I watch, he seems to have an idea of what he's supposed to be doing as a quarterback. And I do think he has a good feel for the game, even if he doesn't always do things by the book, like he's not going to go through his progression. One, two, three, he might scramble and do like a circle or do like a little spin in the middle of that. But he usually gets his eyes to where they need to be. He is small though. And I don't think it's something you could just overlook. And it, he gets hurt. It shows up on film at, on, at some some points in the game where he has to throw it over the middle. And then he gets hurt, like you said. And I think that has to do with the size. And that's he's not going to get taller unless he gets one of those like leg lengthening surgeries that are apparently a thing now. I, I don't see how you work around that. But everyone below him on this list, I, I can't talk myself into them like I could talk myself into Kyler just because of that talent. Kyler, too, is a tough pick because we're doing this separate situation and his situation, A, has been bad and B, is probably going to continue to be trying it worse before it gets better. So it's like, you know, people will point to this and say, how dare you have Kyler? But well, it's just we're trying to separate him. I mean, the high end play, the first half of the 2021 season, he was the prohibited favorite to win MVP in a lot of people's eyes. He was doing crazy things. But there are so many questions. Um, yeah, I have him in this, this tier as well. Um, okay, that was that was eleven, right? So cruising now, we're cooking with gas. <laughs> Almost an hour in. Um, okay, I don't think we're gonna agree. I, 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 you, I think you're gonna have this guy lower than. But this is just such a hard area for me. So we're at twelve. I'm taking Tua here. Whoa. Um, yeah. I had him much lower. But not because of skill set. I, I will say that. 
Because of injuries? Yeah, the concussion thing. It, yeah. it scares me. Like, he had a grade three it should. concussion. I don't <sighs> know if you know what that is, but look it up. It is not good. <sighs> okay. Now I'm de- now I'm feeling I don't feel good about anyone in this range though, yeah. so I the re- I'll just say this for the reason I had him. Um, you know, with Tua, it was always a question of kind of like how much of it is circumstances. Last week, I talked a little bit about how all the backups without him had to play without Teron Armstead as well, um, which I think is something that like really flew under the radar last season. That Armstead missed a lot of the games that Tua missed, almost all of them, in fact. Um, but wh- one thing I did, I, I, I've talked to you know about what Tua did this offense statistically through the roof of course um but there were also flashes i think that of um him creating a bit and playing well under pressure that i think kind of flew under the radar um and i think by the way in that there there's a couple games near the end of the year after defenses started playing the dolphins differently where especially like in the low red zone he would flash this like he would make plays on his own outside of the context of the offense that made me think, oh, this is why I liked you so much in college. It's not just that you're this machine and you can execute the offense and you're this, you know, the RPOs, you're a good decision maker, you're accurate, whatever. But he also does have some creativity that I think gets underappreciated. So yeah, the health is real and it's completely fair reason to not have him in this top 13, wherever, you know, where I have him at 12, I guess, range. Um, but yeah, I he definitely showed a lot last season. Just to give him some credit, I think he has, it's not just creativity outside of structure. I think he has creativity within the structure of the offense, like with the no-look passes, the opening windows over the middle. Like he played a big part in how the, the Dolphins offense operated. I think it's a, a more replicable skill set than like, say, Josh Allen. But yeah. he did play his part. I will give him credit for that. And like skill wise, he probably would have been like 10 spots higher on my list, but it is the concussion thing that's pushing him down for me. 13. I, I think I can guess yours. Can you? Because I would not have guessed this. I'm going with Daniel Jones. Okay. I have him at like 14 or 15. He's in this, this range. This is a weird range. I don't know. Yeah. I, I have no idea what to do with this range, but Daniel Jones, I think <laughs> is a player. I think, so here's my theory on NFL quarterback development. As long as you're good enough to continue to play and, and you're just able to simmer, like teams can let you simmer, you're eventually going to get better. And you're eventually going to figure things out. Like Kirk Cousins, I think, is a perfect example mm. of this. Kirk Cousins was a totally different quarterback even like six years ago than, than he is now. And I think Daniel Jones, the more he plays and the more opportunities he's going to get, obviously now the Giants seem to have invested in him. He's going to continue to be a starter. I think he's going to get better. And then you – we talk about like the underrated athleticism. He is a guy that is a factor in the run game. Yes. And that changes things. And that makes that, I think lowers the bar for how good he has to be as a passer. And I do think he's taking strides there. He's made strides there where he's a better decision maker. I think he's better at like avoiding the catastrophic sack fumble, which like used to be every week, whenever there was some momentum, he would take a bad sack and bubble the ball. I think those have gone away. I want to see him get back to the point where he's pushing the ball downfield. But at the same time, I recognize that the Giants really haven't given him the tools to do that over the last couple of years. This is go ahead. This is why it's so hard. To, right. No, it, this is what makes it so hard with Jones. It's there's so much chicken and egg, which is like, did he stop 
throwing interceptions because he had the lowest yeah. air yards per attempt or, you know, and, and how much of that was improved decision-making on his part. Did he have the lowest air yards per attempt because of his personnel? Like, it's like, okay, well, da, 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 you know, it's like, this is what made the contract so tricky. Um, but I do agree that his rushing ability gives him a floor that I think now is, you know, I, 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 I had, a, okay. So I'll just cards on the table. We're in the 13, 14. I had a lot of trouble with him and Justin Fields. Yeah. Um, who has similar a similar floor because of his rushing ability, but I think also has not shown as much as a passer, but also has a higher ceiling and also has the same questions yeah. about what he's in working. So it's like very, it's tricky for me. And some of this might be just because uh, I, I, I did tend to favor the high ceiling guys when I was making these types of decisions. And I ended up having fields right above Jones for this reason. Um well, like both of these guys we're going to learn so much about next year. I think that like, this is, they both have so many built in excuses for the past two years. And next year, I think is going to be kind of put up or shut up time, or at least very clarifying in both regards. One thing I did like about fields is, um, you know, his, his passing numbers are gross, obviously, but if you parse some of them out, there's some kind of nice stuff in there. One of which I've talked about this a little bit. He was very good on intermediate throws, which is something I, I tend to like in quarterbacks when in that 10 to 20 yard range, his numbers were all much better. Uh, he had the highest third highest for me QBR on third down. Some of that was the rushing, of course, outside the pocket. He was fantastic inside less. So much less. So yeah, man, we're, we're going to, we're going to see, um, did you consider putting Deshaun Watson above either of these guys? Uh, no, Deshaun Watson went right to the bottom of my list. I didn't okay. consider drafting him, no. I just didn't know what to do with him. Yeah. S- setting aside the, you know, obvious, yeah. um, who yeah, the off the field, I don't know who he is as a quarterback anymore. So, I, I mean, he was just so bad last year. But if you do sample size, it's like maybe. Um, okay, so you do you have 15 to end this. And I promise the second half will go quicker. Uh, I have, wait, so did you take Justin Fields? Yeah, I take, okay. I'm taking Fields. I'm taking Russell Wilson. I'm betting on the bounce back. He's not that bad. He's not that bad as he was last year. Nathaniel Hackett was like an all-time bad coach. I think you saw when they made the coaching change, they changed the offense a little bit, going back to this, the, the type of offense Russ ran in Seattle, and you kind of saw Russ get a little bit better at the end there. And I think with Sean Payton, if Sean Payton is willing to work with him, and that's I think that is a, a valid question based on everything he's been saying during the offseason, I think he can get the most out of him. We've seen Sean Payton get a lot out of shorter quarterbacks, Drew Brees. We've seen him get a lot out of different types of quarterbacks. He made Taysom Hill look passable. Uh, he got the best year out of Teddy Bridgewater that we've seen. I think this is going to work better than people might assume, like the marriage between Payton and Wilson. And while Wilson may never be a top 10 quarterback again, I do think he could be in that mid range as soon as next year, because he still can throw a football very, very far. And, it, and it's so pretty to watch. He still has that skill. He, he, he still does it a couple times of a game, but the rest of the game, he is like dirting screens. Yeah. And I, I mean, I just, I, I I'm, I, I'm not being a Seattle hater. You know, I expressed some doubt when the trade happened, talked a little bit about what we saw the last two years, but what we saw last season separate from, I mean, look, Sean Payton is going to make this offense effective. I mean, he, in the final year of Drew Brees, you know, being his balls being blown, but that was weird. The point is 
Sean Payton, Sean Payton had nothing to work with this last year and still called like the fifth most efficient offense in football. They'll be fine. They'll be better. They made additions. The offensive line will be better. But I am thinking about Russell Wilson devoid of context. And what I saw last year was just, just, I think it was just the, there's still flashes of it at times, but just the utter inconsistency. I mean, and so many bad throws, man, on the run, short. Yeah. And I think it, to me, it's the trajectory of the game to, I, I have a much lower, so anyways, hey, I get, you know, call me a hater, whatever. Broncos fans, don't call me a hater. I just said your offense will be fine. But in this exercise, I would not take Russell Wilson before some of the other guys on this list. So who's your next All right, fine. Well, you're going to have to, we're going to take a break and then oh. you'll find out. Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace, all this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns reward credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, register using code OMAHAFULL, and then place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great, keep those winnings. But if you lose, you'll get your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and older only, offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. New users and first $10 plus wagers only. Must register with an eligible promo code. Bets amount of qualifying wager returned only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to the account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See Caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelpline.ma.org. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. It's 1-800-426-2537 or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Mina Show today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H E L P dot com slash Mina Show, M I N A S H O W. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country, there's no competition. And I have to say, speaking from experience recently, having tried it for the first time in Detroit, it is absolutely delicious. Right now, you can get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. 
Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right. We are back. Um, so it's pick 16. <sighs> I'm taking Matt Stafford here. I mean, you have to. You have to. At this He's point. by I mean, far the most talented quarterback left. Uh, can he? I don't know if he can still play. I think so, based on the way they're tied. So for this one, I just tried to, like, I read through what the Rams have said over the last year and tried to parse it out. Um, I think the fact that there was... I was about to say that there was no noise about a Matthew Stafford trade suggests that, but that actually probably reflects that, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to do. But he's clearly the most talented guy left. So, you know, if he's at all functional i feel like he's the obvious choice here yeah like i'm assuming we're like a team and we're trying to sell our fans on buying tickets to our game i could do that with matthew stafford i can't do that with some of the other guys on this list so that that would be the tiebreaker and we've seen him less than two years ago be a very 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 good quarterback maybe a top five quarterback what what did you think of what we saw matthew stafford before he got hurt last year I, that was my one concern because he didn't look great but there was i mean guys getting hurt immediately the whole thing was kind of a show yeah the offense line was really bad i remember bad. that being the problem yes. early on uh but yeah i do remember stafford looking a little washed early on even before he went out of the lineup and i don't know if it was like the back still bothering him the elbow injury but it was concerning i will say that but We've seen him be good enough, recent enough, where I can overlook one ma- one month of bad play and, and focus on that year we got in 2021 where he allowed the Rams to do th- things on offense that they just couldn't do with another quarterback. And, uh, and that quarterback, Jared Goff, is similar to a lot of the guys that are going to be below him on this list, which is why I would take Stafford. Okay. Who do you have next? Uh, uh, I wish to keep track of the numbers. So we're at 17, I think. I don't know. I, I always Derek mess Carr. this up. I have Derek Carr. It I have Derek Carr too. No, I have Derek Carr right here as well. Sorry, I'm just. I'm not happy numbers. about having Derek Carr being my quarterback. I'm not happy about my quarterback throwing it away on fourth down multiple times. The game on the line. I'm not worried about him being the worst quarterback sneaker I've ever seen in my life. But <laughs> he's a talented quarterback. He's good. And we saw when the when the Raiders put that offensive line in front of him, I forget which year it was, the year he was like an MVP candidate, when they put the best offensive line in the league in front of him, he looked like an MVP candidate. So if I know that and I could build a team around that, I think I could get some good play out of Derek Carr. I don't know if I could say the same about anyone else lower than him. The reason I have Carr here is uh, when I watched him last year, I don't think his poor play was him being washed. No, I no. think it was the, like just – one of the worst coached quarterback pairings I've seen in the history of the NFL somehow. Um, but like, and, and then, you know, some of it was his hit on him and this has been who he is throughout his career. I think he is definitely affected by his circumstances, but I think when I look at the rest of the quarterbacks, he has flashed more high end play than the rest of the guys on this list. Um, I think he's talented. I think he has a really good arm. Um, and you know, I, yeah, I think um, like we're right now we're in the part where there's, there's going to be a bunch of young guys who like whatever we'll talk about. And um, 
we're, they're all the Shanahan quarterbacks are starting to like coagulate around here. Um, and I think he is kind of, I went on the Around the NFL podcast and we did the, they have this concept called the Dalton line. I don't know if yeah. you know that with them. And I was saying, the conclusion I came to is right now the Dalton line in the NFL is basically the Shanahan quarterbacks. You can choose which one you want, but it's like, okay, it, you know, is this quarterback entirely like a product of the offense or is he someone you can, who can actually elevate things. And I think Derek Carr is right above those guys always, frankly. Yeah. Um, at his best, he's, you know, I would say in that 9 to 13 range when he plays well. When he plays bad, he is he falls to like 16 through 20. But he's always going to be floating around there. However, the high-end play, because of his arm talent, is what always is going to kind of push him a little bit above for me. So I also had Carr here. Um, I'll, I'm going to take, I'll just do Watson at 18, um, just pure football. You know, we've seen him play really well before in the past and well, we're not considering situation. His situation is really good, but, um, yeah, that, that's more just like span of the career thing for me. Yeah. So I, I'm giving you the hard decisions. 19. I'm taking Kirk out yeah. of all the, 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 the play action quarterbacks. I'm taking Kirk because I think Kirk has evolved the most. He's also been given time to evolve. And I thought last year, even though the numbers were down, the numbers were about like league average when in the past week he's hovered around like 10 to the fifth best EPA. I thought he was better last year. I thought he was more yeah, aggressive. I thought he was more willing to make plays. I thought it hurt him. It hurt his stats, but I thought it helped the team. It was a net positive. So I think Kirk, I mean, I would even say that Kirk is working his way out of the. I actually the, the had Kirk. I, I, I skipped him. I actually had him above fields and jones i just realized i i didn't notice so i I screwed up already i had him above them i had him in my and i don't hate i don't hate him being that high honestly like i looking back at it i probably should have picked him over Derek carr i think he's more consistent i think he has a longer track record of of high-end play kirk cousins I, I mean i'm not happy about taking him but i do think he's a good quarterback at this point despite all the memes about him well this is why i think Minnesota is in such a challenging place because I also talked about this on the around the NFL show. Everyone thinks they're going to move on, but I'm like, to whom? Their chance right. to move on is to draft a rookie. They passed on that. I don't think they're going to be in position next year. Maybe I'm wrong, or maybe they'll they'll put together some kind of Godfather deal and just totally, but you know, to get Caleb Williams or whatever. But seems there's going to be a lot of competition. They're not going to have great ammunition. So then when I look around the league and yeah, there's guys who spring loose every year, but is one? It, I think is it going to be someone better than Kirk Cousins? I, I find it dubious. Maybe they won't want to pay him because he'll be a free agent and he'll be able to command a lot. But I don't know, man. I, I think I also have Kirk Cousins right above the Shanahan quarterbacks. I think he's kind of, he's sort of in the mix, but. Um, I also was impressed last year, especially in the second half of the season, in terms of like his aggression. Granted, he ended on the least aggressive play possible, and it was put a lot of bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. Um, but I think he's better than some of the. I mean, the other guys we're about to talk about, and yeah, I so I did have him higher. I just didn't notice. All right, I think he would have been a little bit higher, but his arm talent is, is starting to wane a little bit over the last two years. I think that's. Yeah, he's one where it's like, I, I actually think he really, 
out absent Justin Jefferson, you'd probably it would look a lot worse. So, um, all right, uh, we're at twenty, and I was deciding between two quarterbacks here. Their names are Ryan Tannehill and Jared Goff, and I went with Jared Goff. Um, I have I have the same two names in the same order. I've got okay, yeah. Um, so th- these are the, the Goff. I do think is very context dependent. I think we have seen enough of him to feel comfortable saying that. Um, so he is one where it's like in this hypothetical exercise, if my team is good, Jared Goff's probably good enough. You know, um, if my team is bad, he's not good enough. That's who he is right now as a quarterback. This is incredibly efficient offense. Seen this movie before. Um, if, you know, everything stays on the rails, he, I totally trust him to be the conductor, which by the way, is more than I can say for a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, I have Tannehill. I'm going to take Tannehill. Obviously the only reason I have Tannehill, uh, uh, below him is because of the three-year thing. And I do think Tannehill yeah. is a quarterback who's taken a lot of hits and that's kind of part of his allure is that he's tough. He stands in the pocket and he throws downfield, whether he's going to take a hit or not. I just wish Tannehill would use his athleticism a little more. Like he's he's a quarterback who we all know he played wide receiver in college or whatever. We've seen him score on running touchdowns plenty, but like in terms of scrambling, he just doesn't do it. And I wish he would do it more. So whatever upside he has as an athlete over Jared Goff, he doesn't really utilize. That's which a good is point. why I would put Goff ahead of him. In this I game. think if we did this like a couple years ago, I would flip them for yeah. sure. Um, but I think Tannehill last year, it's hard because the situation was so awful, but I also, it felt to me like we were seeing the downturn, um, the CPOE God is no more, you know, they got the best out of him a couple of years before in Tennessee, but yeah, he, similar quarterbacks. All right, shoot. I'm up again. Oh God, this is really tricky. Okay. So. There's all the the young guys are on the table here. Yeah, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, all on the table. We have the second year guys: Jordan Love, Desmond Ritter, Brock Purdy, Sam Howell. Many questions. Uh, and then we have the two guys who actually have above them. But now I'm like, I don't know. I'm talking through this. Uh, I'm gonna take any pick here. Whoa! I was uh, not expecting that. Oh, I mean, I, mean, I kind of want to take one of the young guys, but it's it's easier to just not. Question: Did you forget about Jimmy G, or did you just pass him? Oh, I forgot about him. Okay, I'll take Jimmy Jim- G here. Okay. Yeah, I bailed Sorry. you out. You did bail me out. Uh, the injury thing with Jimmy G is well. I guess maybe we should talk about that because it's kind of in the news. So. Yeah. If you guys missed this, um, it, it was revealed that Jimmy G had foot surgery uh, after. Oh gosh, I, sorry, I should have the details in front of me. The exact timing of it is all very tricky. Let me pull this up really quickly uh, because, well, it's confusing because you know you remember when the when the Raiders did their press conference to announce. Uh, Jimmy G, it was like weirdly delayed and we never really found out why it was all 
very confusing because, um, yeah, because the foot injury was in December and then he had the surgery, okay, sorry, in March, but we didn't find out about it until this week. And then we also learned that, um, I guess upon the Raiders learning of this, they added this waiver, injury waiver to his contract, basically saying you don't have to pass a physical to play for us. However, we have this waiver so that if you are hurt, we can just cut you and like pay you nothing. I, I'm paraphrasing, <laughs> but um, my understanding of it is, and the, this came out because he didn't participate in OTAs and I guess we'll be ready at some point, but um, there is some disagreement about how unusual this is amongst contract guys. Um, I saw the defenders saying, oh, this is all the time, these kinds of injury waivers. Andrew Brandt, who um, uh, is a former NFL executive, tweeted, it is not uncommon, but it's rare in stars. They're highly paid guys to have. And I guess that's that makes sense, right? Because of the amount of money you're dealing with. It's unusual for a quarterback. And I think that's a pretty fair characterization. Like, you know, I've makes sense that NFL teams for guys at the end of their rosters or guys with, you know, less leverage over them would agree to this kind of thing. I mean, what was your reaction to that news? Like, I mean, I, I wasn't too surprised. I don't think it's that big of a deal. It's also Jimmy. Like we knew that right. injury risk was a big part of it. I think it's smart on the Raiders side. It seems like the Raiders every year have this like con quarterback contract that they can get out of completely the next year. They had it with Carr last year. I, I mean, I, it didn't really change stuff for me, like how I look at the Raiders this year, how I look at Jimmy G going forward. He's the one quarterback where I think if if you asked him to play quarterback while sitting on a bar stool, nothing would change in the pocket. He doesn't <laughs> even need a foot. Uh, Maybe Jared Goff. It's affected him. I mean, you can't boot him out. It's obviously part of their <laughs> That's true. Um, I mean, shoot, I think in this offense that he's going to be asked to move even less than in yeah. the Shanahan offense. Oh, okay. So I want to say this, something. This is, I don't know why I have like my, I keep moving around the rankings to do the numbers. Um, if not for the injury, I would have him. Hmm. That's a good question. If not for the injury, I would have him above Tannehill if not for the injury. Uh, but I agree with you generally, your kind of assessment of, well, let me ask you this. What about if, if he was healthy, would you have him above Jared Goff? Yeah, that, that's what I was just thinking in my mind. Who would I put? Because this is, we're now two? we're, this is the family. We're in the family, the guys, the Shanahan right, right. guys. Ah, uh, who would I take? Uh, I mean, I, I would take Jimmy G. I think he's more talented. I think he's a, like, that quick trigger, I think is something yeah. that makes building an offense a little bit easier while Jared Goff is a little bit slower. Jimmy, it's fine. I mentioned the A&YA stat for Dak. Jimmy G's like something ridiculous. He's like, you know, fourth or something all time. But he's so he's he is the ultimate like number. It's so he's who he is is so divorced from his statistical production because of the offense he's played in. Um and he, potentially could be yet another guy that we learn a lot about this year because of the situation changing. Although I don't know if we'll learn much because I feel like I already know who he is as a quarterback. Um, he is the ultimate 
operator. And, you know, I actually, I've talked about this. I think the Raiders offense is going to look better this year because you know, all Josh McDaniels wants is an operator. Um, but yeah, I, I, I feel comfortable taking him here, <laughs> putting off a, a panic decision that I made. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Who, who do you have next? Uh, not Kenny Pickett. Uh, this was tough for me. I'm still like debating it. I'm just, I'm just going to go with Anthony Richardson. I'll take Anthony Richardson. <laughs> three years uh, though, the three-year timeline. I know. I would take why. him with the five-year timeline, but. If you gave me a four-year timeline, I might be more confident in this pick. I, I, I don't think he's that raw, like in terms of how much work he needs before he could start to play. Because I do think, we, as we have seen, the more mobile quarterbacks, the quarterbacks who can run, can play a little bit earlier. We saw that with Jalen Hurts before he developed as a passer, which is why I would put him over Stroud and Young. I also had him as QB1. But like the guys below him, like Jordan Love, Ritter, Pickett even, I, they're just as unproven – as he is to me as a passer, as a pocket passer. So yeah. I'm just going to bet on the upside. And maybe I'm overlooking Mac Jones here. I think he's the one like. He's in my next tier. Yeah. That we haven't drafted yet, but I I don't know about you, but I've seen enough about from Mac Jones where I don't think that style of quarterback play is, it's going to be viable for teams that want to sustain top offenses which is why I'm going the the complete opposite direction and taking yes, the anti-Max Jones. Yeah, I mean, kind of we're in the range where it's like, do you want to take a swing and hope that by year two, you know, or maybe even year one, the dual threat ability will give you some sort of floor, which is, I get it. I do get it. Um, now you're making me feel weird about it. So I have, I, Pickett and Jones I actually have as being pretty similar. Um. I'll take Pickett here, though. You know, I, okay, so we were talking about this before we started recording because I said the two quarterbacks I went back and watched were Ritter and Pickett because I didn't feel like I had a good sense of them. And um, we'll talk about Ritter, you know, soonish. Um, I, I, I I liked Pickett more in the NFL than I did before uh, coming out of the draft. I, I was not high on him as a prospect. Uh and while I still have a lot of questions about where his ceiling is as a quarterback, and we're in the 20s, right? Um, I do think he flashed a couple things that I was maybe uncertain about before the year started in terms of um, two things, really. Playmaking, I thought. His play under pressure impressed me. I don't love that offense and what they're all about, um, but I thought he did some creating that I didn't know he had in his bag. And then he pushed the ball downfield a little bit more than I expected too. He doesn't have the strongest arm, but he has the willingness uh, and occasionally the ability to test defenses deep. I think he has to get, and, well, and then also the mobility, which I think is something that is a part of his game and will continue to be. He has functional quarterback mobility and that helps them bails them out in certain situations. Um, Accuracy needs to be more consistent, uh, particularly on the intermediate stuff, frankly. Decision-making at times, some issues there. But, uh, yeah, I, I I wasn't grossed out last yeah. year. Yeah, I went back and watched him, I think, like two weeks ago, and those were the same things that stood out. I, I knew he was like a quarterback that liked to run around. I didn't think yeah. he would be able to do it against NFL athletes. And 
And while it wasn't like Lamar Jackson, he was able to escape pressure, like you said. And then his arm was a little stronger than I thought it would be, which goes to your point about like him pushing the ball downfield. I didn't think he would have as much zip on his throws as he did. It didn't seem like that in college, but it made me think a little higher of him. But I still think that the panicking in the pocket is just hard for me to get over because he is a quarterback. Yeah. At some point, he's going to have to be a pocket passer if he's going to be a top quarterback. He's going to have to be able to get it done in the same ways that we've seen like Joe Burrow get it done. And I just don't think he has that in his game. Who do you have next? Um, CJ Stroud. I'm sticking with him. Okay, so you're just going with the rookies right now. Yeah, I've dismissed all the other young quarterbacks that are still in the league. That's uh, fair. We've seen them. CJ Stroud, I, I don't think he gets enough credit for his playmaking ability. I know like everyone points to the Georgia game. They're like, I wish he did that more. I thought when given the chance, and it only happened like maybe once or twice a week at Ohio State, that he did take off and run, and and he showed some ability. And I think revisiting Justin Fields' tape at Ohio State makes me reconsider what C.J. Stroud's ceiling was. Because we just saw Justin Fields – I mean, he like you said, he wasn't a good passer, but in terms of scrambling and running, it was one of the best seasons we've ever seen from an NFL quarterback. And we didn't really see that at all at Ohio State. So I'm wondering how much the system kind of restricts that playmaking. It does. Ryan Day came on NFL Live at the draft, and like that was what I asked him. And he was like, yeah, we didn't ask him to. (laughs) I was like, all right, (laughs) fair enough. Ask and answered. Right, and if that's the case, and and what he did against Georgia is something he's going to be able to do consistently. Who Athletically, who this is something I've thought about a bit. Who would you compare him to in the NFL? Oh, that's a good question. Do you think he's, let me ask you this. Do you think he's faster than Dak? Yeah. Yeah. I think he has longer strides than Dak. Uh, I would say Joe Burrow plus, like he's Mm. a better athlete than Joe Burrow. And Joe Burrow is like just a good enough athlete to make it work. Like at that level, like the elite level of the NFL. I think he's there. Yeah. Does he have the same feel that Joe Burrow has for like, no, he does not. No, I'm just saying right not. I think that's what's going to be really interesting for me early on is to see – I want to see the willingness to – I asked about Dak because he has a lot of similar – he's a fair amount to Dak, I think, you know, as yeah. the high end. Um, and kind of to our discussion earlier about Dak and his reluctance to run at times, Tannehill, I think that's something I really want to see out of Stroud. Or, like, it's like, okay, you had this governor on you in college, um, you know – are you going to show a willingness? And, and, and also with Bobby Slowick, you know, do you have an offensive coordinator who really wants to tap into that? Um, yeah. Um, okay. Well, then screw it. I'll take Bryce Young here. Do you have the photo? Do you have the photo hanging up in your house anywhere? <laughs> um, we shot a video together at the draft where I took off my shoes. This has not been, it wasn't part of my reel for, I did it for this TV company, TSCL. And, um, and he is, he's pretty, he's quite a bit taller than me. He's also been growing his hair out. I don't know if you've noticed that. It's pro move. <laughs> Savvy. The, the videos and pics coming out, they're not great. I feel like you, because you're a Panthers fan, you're really preparing yourself for the worst here. Cause, mm-hmm. And I think um, I think there's a little bit of emotional bargaining that you've been doing with oh, Bryce definitely. Young. Isn't there always? Of course there is. Yeah. I, I want an Anthony Richardson. I am. That doesn't mean that I'm not excited, though. 
I think drafting the quarterback highly is like the the easiest way to jolt some excitement into a well, fan base. I, and this is a fan base that needs it. Of the three, I really do believe he's going to be the best year one. Um, oh, but that's yeah. accounting for situation as well. But also, he like his innate. I mean, you talked about uh, we're, we've been talking about you. Sorry, you just mentioned C.J. Stroud and his pressure feel versus Burrow. Bryce Young's pressure feel is incredible. Like, I would not be surprised if, you know, at the top of this show, we were, we were talking about a couple quarterbacks we love because their pressure to sack rates are low. I wouldn't be surprised if Bryce Young puts up a pretty good number in that regard because that, to me, is his superpower, is his pocket feel. Um, now, when he does get contacted, if it causes some problems, that's a little an issue. But I do think he is the t- the type of quarterback who can come into the NFL and be pretty good immediately because of how he manages a pocket. And beyond him being a Panther now and me being a Panthers fan, I just hope he does because his game is so much fun. It's so fun. That's the one thing, like, I was lower on him as a prospect because of the size thing, but in terms of, like, actual football and the tape, it was it was the most fun this you know, draft season watching him play. I never uh, used this as a comp. I don't even know if I – I don't really – think I did them for all the quarterbacks, but he really is like baby Watson when Watson was with Houston. That's how he played in college. Um, you know, just like a yeah, small, that's a small, very good comp. little petite version of, <laughs> although Watson took a lot of sacks, but um, so we'll see, but okay. Um, you're up. Is this where we pull the trigger on Mac? No, I'm taking Desmond Ritter. <laughs> taking Desmond Mitter. He's fresh. Uh, he's fresh in my mind. I just watched, finished watching him. I, I'm not the highest on Desmond Ritter. Like I, I know we have like a lot of friends who are very high on Desmond Ritter, like Nate Tice. Uh, yeah. But I, I do think he, he's one of those quarterbacks. Like I talked about here, where if you just let him simmer, let him play, let him get playing time, he can develop into a good quarterback, which is a very good return for a, a what was he a third round pick, fourth round pick? Yeah. I third, think he third. could become like a Ryan Tannehill type. That was I, my literally, comp for him coming out. This is okay. That was your comp for him, really? Yeah. I so I just watched the Arizona game was the last one I watched, and um, I posted a clip of him. It was a nice go ball that someone dropped, Bird, one of their random receivers, and um, our Falcons reporter said he made a couple good throws in that. And what I wrote was he wasn't asked to do a ton, but he handled pressure well. He had some nice scrambles. He stood tough in the pocket. He's Tannehill-ish, which makes it evident why Arthur Smith likes him. That's how I felt after watching that game. Sorry. Yeah, and on a rookie contract, that you can work with that. You can win some playoff games with that. Uh, I'm not so sure you can win some playoff games with Mac Jones, even if he is on a rookie contract, because I don't think he has the the talent to access the parts of the field that you have to access when you run that style of offense. When you run that like play-action-heavy offense, you have to be able to throw into tight win- windows over the middle. Say what you want about Jimmy G, but that guy is not afraid to throw into a tight window. Sometimes he throws it to a linebacker or safety, but he will throw into those windows. And I think Desmond Ritter is that same genre of quarterback. Yeah, I I think Desmond Ritter, there is a floor there. Um, just the question is, where is the ceiling? I think he has not shown me, and this includes college as well, that the ceiling is near the guys we've okay. talked about at the top. So for him to make that jump, he would just have to get better. And it happens. There's guys who have, I mean, we've, you, you just talked about kind of, he, if he, the more he plays, you know, like Daniel Jones, he could start kind of creeping up these rankings if he has that kind of arc. And God knows he's in a situation where that will facilitate that in Atlanta. Um, but um, 
yeah, like for me, it's like, okay, well, is Tannehill the ceiling? Then we've been talking about Tannehill. But that's okay. I mean, you know, we we saw Tannehill kind of hit his ceiling, I think, in Tennessee. And if, if at that draft pick, if he's able to hit that in that offense, it'll probably be good enough. Yeah. Um, is he ever going to be an elevator, though? Based on what I've seen, no, but he could get better. So For me, it's the accuracy thing. I, I just don't think he's accurate enough. Yeah. I think that's fair. Um, and that was a thing in college, too, frankly. Um, but, it, yeah, if they tap into the athleticism, I think you, it's definitely going to be good enough. Okay, so here are the guys left because we're at the very end of this exercise. Mac Jones. We did all the rookies. Jordan Love. Uh, Brock Purdy. Sam Howell. Baker Mayfield. That's five. Am I, did I leave yeah. anyone out? I don't think so. No, that's no? it. That's all I That's have. it. Yeah. I'll take Mac here. Um, I think during his rookie season, he showed enough in terms of accuracy and decision-making. Like, I expect the Patriots offense to be average this season. I've said this. Yeah. So, you know, and coupled with what I believe, if Patriots fans are upset, to be a top-five defense, um, they're going to be annoying. <laughs> teams uh i think you know max getting a lot of leeway because of his horrible situation last season i've seen that right now well i mean i guess it depends on who you're asking i think some of that is fair but i also think he really 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 struggled in for in ways that were not because of his surroundings so in ways where he can't struggle if he's going to be a long-term starter like there's that that famous clip of him like on the sideline saying, throw the ball, quick game sucks. I think that's what he said. Yeah. Mac, do you know what type of quarterback you are? If you think you need quick game, if you don't yeah. have quick game, you have nothing, buddy. And that's like, that was my big question coming out of Alabama. He never really ran that style of offense at Alabama. They ran RPO and then like play action shots. So it wasn't a given that he was going to be able to come in and be that quarterback, that point guard who just distributes you know, five yards at a time, like Tom Brady at the end of his time in New England. And the Patriots asked him to be that quarterback last year, and he fell flat on his face, and it did not work at all. And I don't know where you go from there without him just improving in that area. But my concern is that we've never seen him really be good at that. So how do we know that it's going to happen? What do you think is the best type of offense for him? Because the Bill O'Brien thing is interesting. Um, you know, everyone keeps going back to Alabama, even though they weren't together at Alabama. But O'Brien's run different types of offenses over the course of his college and his NFL career. Um, and, and so, you know, I keep hearing, ah, fine, do what Mac Jones does well. Well, what what yeah. is that? What is best for him? I would say like something similar to what we saw Miami run, which sounds weird because it's like totally different personnel, but I think you have to get to that RPO. Yeah. Where it's not quick game, but it's not like traditional RPO. Like I wouldn't put the dolphins as like a traditional RPO team where you're like running inside zone and there's a bubble screen on the outside and you throw it. If they don't load the box, it has to be like down a little further downfield. Yeah. Yeah. But over the middle of the field. The, right. I, I think, and, and and I do think they have the personnel for that. I think like Juju Smith-Schuster, like, yeah. What's mi- I, I definitely working speed the middle of the field off that. of that speed is. Although Taekwon Thornton buzz right now, 
you know? Um, okay, I'm next. Okay. I'll take love here. Um, big unknown. So I love is like, who the heck? Who the heck knows? Um, you know, look totally out of depth. First start against the Eagles in relief in one quarter. What was it? How long did he play? Whatever. It was like nine passes. He looked awesome. Um, I actually could, you, I think you could make the case for taking him higher because of his tools, uh, the athleticism, arm strength, total black box. I, yeah, I have no idea what to expect. Like we've seen, we've seen like little glimpses of him. We saw him play against the Chiefs. I think that was two years ago. We saw him last preseason and two totally different quarterbacks. So I, I really have no idea, like even what to expect this year. I don't even, I don't know. Is he going to be a play action quarterback? Are they going to run a lot of option stuff? I, is he going to throw deep? Is he going to throw short? I really don't know what to expect. I think yes, yes, and yes. They would have, you would think they would have to, <laughs> but I, you took him over Brock Purdy. And I'm glad you did that because I would have done the same thing. And for all the reasons you just said, he has the upside. And I think at this point in the development of NFL strategy, X's and O's, you have to take these bets more often than not. Yeah. And I think NFL teams are starting to learn that. And I would I would totally go with love over Purdy. Are you gonna take Purdy next over Howell and Mayfield? Who are I am. kind of I the am. same man? Yeah, they're the same person. Uh yeah, yeah I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Purder, uh, Purdy uh Purdy. Purdy. I watched him last night just because he was the one where I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to look dumb when I'm talking about him just because I haven't seen enough of him. I mean, you're going to, we're going to look dumb because the offense is going to be key rolling. That's a good point. But I, I do think his willingness to kind of move around unlocked yeah. something for that offense that we haven't seen with Jimmy. Totally Jack agree. There. And they were able to get into shotgun a little more. They were able to run a little bit of option stuff, even though he, he never really kept the ball. And that, force the defense to get into different looks. So while Purdy was definitely a product of his environment, what was around him, I do think he gave Shanahan a little something that these other play-action quarterbacks that he's had before haven't really given them. So we're drafting him at the bottom of the list, but I, I do want to give him a little bit of credit for what the point I, I think that is – I mean, Shanahan has alluded to that numerous times in talking about why they're rolling with Purdy, which is the playmaking ability is different – I do think there were like some heat checks that never um Unheard he, he, he didn't get <laughs> well he, he didn't get punished uh the way that he should for some lapses in decision making. I mean, just way too much dip on the chip a few times at the end there. Um but yeah, I you know, we're, we have we both have Brock Purdy near the end. They're still gonna be the fifth most efficient offense in football, so who cares? Niners fans, don't yell at me. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It doesn't it matter. Really doesn't. Um, okay. And then there were two. I mean, uh, I'm going to take Sam Howell here for sure. Yeah, I know. I'm going to get. <laughs> I was destined to get stuck with Baker, man. Um, Sam Howell, another who the heck knows. Uh, I did like him his junior year in college or sophomore year. I can't remember when he matriculated, but his second to last year. I think he's got a nice arm. I think he can move, um, and I think they'll be able to tap into that. I think it to me, it's the um, it's the movement ability that ultimately gives him the edge over Baker because um, they they really do look alike and they have similar builds. But um, yeah, Howell, uh, he's he's not just 
I'm trying to think of who I would compare him in terms of the way he moves to almost early career Russell Wilson a little bit, uh, who also has a similar build. Uh, like he gets after it. He's he's a physical runner, yeah, uh, with decent straight line speed, and I think they'll be able to. You know, I mean, I forget what they'll be able to do. If it was me, you know, I very option based RPO heavy attack. Get him throwing the ball downfield. Get him on the move. I think you. I think you can build a functional NFL offense with him, but we're about to find out. I think you could build like a cheap version of what the Eagles had. They have like the receivers. They have. They don't have the offensive line, obviously, but they have a quarterback who can operate those style of plays, like the RPO, and even an option run if you want to give him one. I think the key to his, I don't know what you want, to, his ceiling, I guess, is actually learning from Baker Baker Mayfield and knowing your limits. I think that was Baker Mayfield's problem. Is like. He thought he was a guy who could play outside of the pocket, who could make throws on the run, and that's when you saw all the mistakes. I think knowing your limitations and being a quarterback that that can do that and still play within the offense will give him a, a longer shelf life. If he tries to be like like Baker was and tries to be a star out there and tries to make plays and tries to run linebackers over, I, I think there, there's going to be injuries. I think there's going to be inconsistency, and I don't think the team is going to buy into it. Like the coaching staff is going to give him that – that leash to improve. It bums me out that the Bucks and you've got Baker obviously with your final pick, have Baker instead of Jacoby Brissett. Right? Why? Right? Like that's it's so dumb. Jacoby's so fun to watch. Jacoby's like a throwback quarterback. He's what I imagined quarterbacks were but, in like the seventies. And he's fun. good. Well, he played really well last year, and the Bucks like they're not a bad football team. They've got some bad components if they had if jacoby was on the bucks and he played like he did by the way they're making the same amount of money basically if he was on the bucks and he played at the level he did last year would you pick them to win the nfc south yeah yeah i don't get it all right well Like I can't believe you're trying to take Baker Baker Mayfield's job. It's the only thing he has. Like, he has this one shot with Tampa Bay. And you're like, well, give it to I just because it just seems like an appropriate discussion because it feels like Washington's not going to give Jacoby a chance. So if that's like, and whatever, I don't care. Like, fine, give Howell whatever. It doesn't matter, you know. But see what you got in him. But if that's the case, I'm like, well, why do you waste him? Why, anyways, whatever. Anyway, that's. We're ending with Baker Mayfield. We started with Patrick Mahomes. There were a lot of dubious decisions made in between. Uh, let me know in, in the replies when I send this out uh, who you guys would have higher or lower. But don't bother uh, clapping at Steven because he's enlightened now and he's not going to respond. Thank you so much for joining me as always. Guys, uh, you can check out Steven Ruiz on the Ringer NFL pod. I'm on the ringer.com. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter. Steven, thanks as always for joining the show. Thanks for having me.